0: That does it for another episode of so Startup Mindsets. If you guys are ever interested in getting an accounting software and tool that helps you manage your books, we just became partners with Bench.co, which is a startup based out of Vancouver. They've raised $60 million. And we'd love to share a unique referral link with you guys in the description uh, to give you guys 30% off for the first three months and uh, get you guys started with uh know the proper accounting and and getting here <laughs> and having less well, and uh and worrying and working toward uh you know, just a business and having that stuff just uh taken care of by itself what is up starter mindsets nation we are back with another super duper awesome episode um today we are learning about the international and new york ecosystem we have francis simowitz who is an owner and ceo of weave acceleration which was formerly called NUMA a, a couple of th- she she got her degree in music and was able to switch all the way into I guess this would be called uh just startup startup and entrepreneurship life and also uh was overhearing on another podcast how she was a nanny and today we're just going to unpack all of that all that history and all that that uh you know uh changing careers and and, and uh, blazing her on trail but Francis, happy happy to have you here, and welcome in from New York City or welcome in from Brooklyn.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: For sure. How how are you doing today? Just to ask you that, I know.
1: (laughs) Good. It's been. uh, I can't believe it's Friday already. It's one of those weeks where it just goes by so fast. But I'm doing good. It was a good week.
0: Exactly. And there's only like 27 days left in the in the year. I bet. So what happened at 2021?
1: (laughs) I know i feel like it was 2020 dragged on forever and then 2021 went by like that
0: <laughs> well you you have such a cool history but myself included uh, can you tell us a little bit more about weave and what you do at weave
1: yeah yeah great so basically weave acceleration um we work primarily with international startups and innovators and focus on u.s market entry uh we Previously, we were called uh, NUMA New York. Uh, NUMA has over 20 years of history. They were started in Paris, France, Uh, the first accelerator program in France. They expanded internationally. We opened up the New York office about five years ago. Uh, And then in July, I actually acquired the U.S. subsidiary. And so that's why we are now called Weave Acceleration. Uh, But over the past five years, we've worked with over you know 120 different startups from over 25 different nationalities around the world. Um, Outside of our flagship accelerator program, we also run uh, dedicated government and corporate accelerator programs uh, and then learning expeditions for large multinational corporates like Google that help um, C-level executives also learn about the innovation happening in New York City and the U.S.
0: Yeah, so this idea, like, uh, anyone who just wants to get, um, you know, establish a market presence in the States, they would come to you and you'd help them with go to market or help them, you know, get, you know, potential users that are um, just, you know, introduce them to people here who may need global, you know, startup use.
1: Yeah, all of the above. So we work with pretty much growth stage startups. So these are not very early stage startups. So it's usually around series A, series B companies already, but they're coming from other countries. They have you know established a value proposition abroad. They have a product. They have some traction. And now it's really about how do they adapt that in the U.S. market. So we connect them to mentors and curriculum on how to do that, um, help them develop their go-to-market strategy, connect them to especially B2B. We work primarily B2B um, with potential customers and clients, um, help them uh figure out and plan and strategize and prepare for a US fundraise, because uh, the way you approach investors here is different than how you might approach them in Europe or other countries. Uh and then uh hopefully by the end of the program they're in a really good place to continue out expansion, build a team here. Um and so that's our our main focus. To
0: get into that a little bit more for companies like in europe or you know mexico wherever it may be do you think that uh since the markets are so different right the u.s has a lot of i guess a bit di- a bit different consumer demand and different business demand talk talk to me a little bit more about how 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 the u.s market differs from international markets maybe like in, in the case example and how uh you know what does it look like for somebody who has traction in a other country but tries to get it in america like is, is that hard or is that like it's easier here because people you know have um a lot more welcomeness to new technology like what is what is that whole experience like
1: It's a bit of both, and it depends upon the industry. So sometimes some startups actually have an easier time here in some regards because people are more open to adopting technologies depending upon the industry. So for some industries, your sales cycles might be shorter, but on the whole, it's actually typically more hard. Um, The U.S. is a very large market, so it's very attractive for a lot of startups. They're like, oh, my gosh, there's so much opportunity here. Like, this is where (laughs) the big market share is, is where the high valuations are. But it's such a big market. Like, the U.S. is not one market. There's the West Coast. There's the East coast there's figuring out where your clients are like if you're selling to oil and gas you need to be actually probably in texas and austin so really like companies have to do a lot of work to kind of redefine exactly what their target market is um also the the pricing and packaging is different like if you're coming from mexico what your clients are going to pay there is going to be very different than what you what clients are paying for here and i've seen some of our startups you know, um, go to market to sell with their pricing and packaging, you know, from their home country and it actually be undervalued because they're not competitive with, um, you know, the other players here. And, you know, clients might think it's not as valuable because they weren't pricing correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, You also need to like the way things operate, especially if you're coming from like a FinTech market, you have to re-understand the regulations here. Sometimes, you know, we see a lot of companies that'll have multiple different products that are selling abroad and they have to really pick and choose and be focused in the US on like, what is the customer value proposition? And I find that my startups need to start thinking again, like their early stage, even if they're not to kind of refigure out what is gonna be the roadmap here. Um, instead of just thinking that one size fits all and that just because the value proposition works abroad that it's going to work here. Um, And some companies even decide that this is not the market for them. Like we had a company in one of our recent programs in Costa Rica that at the end of the program, the outcome for them was that they realized the US market wasn't for them. And that was a fantastic outcome. It's not always about like, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of resources here and do it, but like testing the market and doing that research, sometimes you discover this isn't the market for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, I guess, what additional uh like services or you know uh help does weave get founders who are or just new teams that are looking to become more present in the u.s like how, how does that work like, i mean is it you know you, you guys make a strong case for them to potential investors or you know new, new, new people like that what, what was it like
1: yeah, so the program, like our flagship program is typically 10 weeks long. Um sorry if you hear the oh, in the background. I'm in New York City, so <laughs> I'm
0: like, I couldn't I couldn't tell where it was coming from. I was like, is somebody <laughs> trouble or something.
1: Yeah, it's just New York City streets. Um so yeah, we the program's ten weeks long. There's a combination of curriculums on specific topics that are very much like how do I expand to the US, go to market strategy, sales, marketing, how do I legally set up and incorporate here? Um, but then really the real work gets done in the one-on-one. So every company is paired with a lead mentor that's like very specific for their business. Um, and so we had a, you know, two examples of this in the last program. We had an e-commerce startup that was paired with one of the head of global e-commerce for Walmart as their lead mentor, who really understands their niche market here in the U.S. We had a prop tech company that was um, paired with one of the investors at one of the premier you know, property tech investment firms, in new york uh, as their lead mentor Um, and they meet every week to go over different strategies like what's the best way to enter the market also introduce and open up their network as well Um, and then our program director also attends that meeting and we're identifying okay based off of your objectives like who are the mentors we need to introduce you to this week like are you exploring an m&a strategy in the us even though that's not in the curriculum we're going to connect you to a mentor that does that. That's also where we make sure once companies are prepared to take customer introductions, we're preparing them for those intros, identifying from the network who we should introduce you to. Um, we're making sure that, uh, you know, and if, you're, if your, if pro- your focus is, in, is investment, <laughs> that your deck is ready, that we're helping you do the research on like, who are the right investors for you based off of the size of the checks that you're going after and the industry wow, yeah. that you're in. So we do, and then we make those connections. We also have events that introduce them to investors. We have a demo day at the end, but it's very hands-on and tailored to each company's objectives.
0: That's that's pretty awesome. Do you guys fund the startups, um, uh, like a similar, similarly like to, to like a Y like Combinator or like a TechStars? Like, do you guys get equity, or how does Weave? No,
1: we don't. So yeah. one of the things that we found when we opened up the offices was that. You know, when you are an early stage company, right? Like if you are pre-seed or just seed stage, you you're fine with giving out seven percent of equity in exchange for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> sure. But when you've already raised, like one of our companies in the last program when they joined, they have already raised eighteen million dollars when they joined our accelerator. So at that point, you know, us taking seven percent of equity is way more expensive. And so most of our companies pay actually a flat fee to participate of twenty five k. But when we work with an earlier stage company, which does happen. Um, Typically, we see companies do need to be more mature to be really serious about the market. But we've worked with some seed stage, stage companies, and when we do, we take warrants in the company. um oh, Sometimes sure. in lieu of a flat fee, or sometimes we'll do like a mixed model. Um, so we want to. We have like friendly terms based on it. But one of my hopes for the future is that we actually re- are able to raise a venture capital fund because we've had exits in our portfolio, and I would sure. love to have yeah. equity no, no, and maybe no, participate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then participate in the Series A's and the Series B's. Um, you know, as co-investors for. You know, their U.S. rounds um, would be my my hope for the future for us.
0: For sure, no, that sounds amazing. I think um, to to take the I guess the conversation in a different direction. Um, what a uh, I know and I know you you run an accelerator and like to anyone's eyes, it just seems like all right. We'll we'll get as many start, the the right startups here and we'll, we'll help them out. But um, in terms of you know your own style of growing, we even uh, your team's is uh, uh, goals for you know the future what uh what does that look like i mean does that mean uh, i know you just mentioned raising a fund and you know getting equity and things like that but what are what are some of the objectives that you guys have in terms of growth and, and yeah the, uh, yeah I just want to hear yeah yeah it's
1: great question we're in a really exciting moment because it's a very <laughs> transitionary moment for us since we just acquired the u.s subsidiary and so right now is really like a uh, a moment where we're getting to focus in on what are the things that we do really well what are the you know Products that we're excited about that we want to keep building out. Um, and, you know, what do we want the future to be for the company? And so, right now, I'm really focused on establishing and really solidifying our three revenue lines. Um, you know, one is the flagship accelerator program, but we've been doing a lot of also work with governments as of recent, um, where they will actually sponsor the programs for the startups in their countries and partnership with us to expand to the US market. So, we just did a program. Uh, we did two programs last, this year with the Australian government to work with fintech companies. Um, we have a really um, fantastic partnership with the Austrian government and supporting those companies. Uh, we did a program this year with Costa Rica. And so we really want to be doing more of those types of government collaborations to support more companies from um, you know different markets. And then uh, one of the revenue lines that we lost in the pandemic was called Learning Expeditions. And they're starting to come back now with Less- a little bit more <laughs> travel. And so um, and there are really fun programs there for corporations. And so right now, my focus is really establishing and growing the team. We're hiring right now. Um, so that we can continue to focus and build out on these different revenue lines and, and these programs that we run, um, and then you know, as I mentioned, hopefully you know, raising that venture capital fund then is that next step um, in our growth, so that we can actually uh, invest in some of these companies. Uh, we've had two of our companies in our portfolio get acquired, um, and I. Would love to have had participated in that. Oh yeah, no, yeah.
0: Congr- congrats, anyways. I think you could, you could take some credit or have your name associated. So that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, we helped their growth in the U.S. You know.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah, can't forget. I love um, our founders. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, one thing I um, just wanted to ask you again, or rather um, ask for first time is, uh, uh, you know, New York is, you know, such a, pl- a place with like so much different industries and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think my, my understanding of like entrepreneurship from the West coast is it's really, yeah, you know, catered towards startups. Um, uh, but New York, you know, they have, or, or you know, people would, you know, know New York for investment banking or, um, you know, ad marketing and advertisements and, and, and that industry. And like having, you know, you know, have people wanting to have a career where, um, it's stable and, and absolutely lucrative. Uh, when when you think of like entrepreneurship in New York City and, and uh, you know that that part of the, the country, what uh, what do you say is people's general perception of of uh, you know starting your own business or or anything in, in associated with uh, startups?
1: Yeah, well, it's the number two tech ecosystem in the world next to San Francisco, and I'm still convinced they're eventually going to surpass San Francisco. Um, I feel like the the environment in New York is very friendly to a lot of startups where there are still bigger valuations and bigger checks out in San Francisco. And I think you're more likely to still get An idea just funded as an idea uh, where (laughs) a lot of New York investors are going to want to see a lot more metrics, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. There's a ton of venture capital in New York. It's interesting, too, because when I I work with a lot of international people and when they think about the U.S. and startups, depending upon the country, and especially Asia, they think about. SF first. And I'm like, but why? (laughs) Like New York is amazing. And especially for companies. Like I always encourage companies to think about where your customers are. And I think that's one of the really great things about entrepreneurship in New York is that because we have so many big legacy industries like banking and finance, like retail, um, like advertising and media, it's so ripe for innovation and disruption. It's like you have experts that have been working in the field for many years that then really understand their customer (laughs) and then are building companies that are, innovating or being partners with that so it's a it's a very very friendly ecosystem for startups um and i think because there's so many legacy industries it's like in a lot of ways there's better advantages to being in new york than there are sf no offense sf
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I i mean i i think it's it's great to hear to hear in new york i, I mean my, my perception was uh it's definitely a place where um people would want to I guess just have success early, and I think in entrepreneurship, it's it's probably not the case. But I do know that um, for people who who run companies in New York, that are friends of mine, that there is definitely this unrivaled hustle and and um, I guess that this New York type of type of spirit that that they carry. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for answering that. One more thing is um, I just want you know for us to learn about yourself and yeah, you know, your your foray into the 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 world that we call startups and, and, uh, and business uh, creation for those. um, How did, how did you, I guess, get your feet in the foot in the door for, for this type of stuff? Cause I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat where people would be shocked or like confused on why I got into these types of, uh, or these, this type of, uh, uh, you know, industry or in um, areas of work, but, um, you know, reading into your background about, you know how you were a nanny which is pretty cool and <laughs> how uh you were trying to be a broadway singer i, th- I think or you're trying to a career in music how did, yeah, how did okay. that yeah how did that uh how did you go from that to to this and maybe we could just think about the time that you were um trying to make that career change or you know you know switch switch your mindset
1: yeah. I love, um, I love creatives and tech. I love when people come from non-traditional backgrounds. Um, yeah. but I think important <laughs> cause I'm, I'm biased to <laughs> my non-traditional background. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely was like an interesting transition and it's funny. Cause like there, I would have never thought that I would have ended up, ended up in entrepreneurship. I have like a very vivid memory of fourth grade and it was like a career day. And, Somebody came in to like talk about different careers, and I remember them talking about entrepreneurship and having this like vivid, like visceral (laughs) reaction to being like, Why would anyone want to do that? That sounds so scary (laughs) and like so much responsibility. And here I am. Um, <laughs> like not only do I, you know, have my own business and I'm an entrepreneur myself in that sense, but also like we work with entrepreneurs every day I and mean, they're my favorite people. So um, you know, it almost seems like I've constantly been driving towards the thing that i you know, was most terrified of when I was a child. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up, you know, studying music. It was what I loved. I loved the arts. Um, I was an opera major and music education major in college and I fell out of love with it for a couple of reasons. Like I felt like I really loved community and that's why I loved choir. It was like people building and singing and kind of creating something great together, which I now have in entrepreneurship and building community. But um, at the time, you know, when you're pursuing a solo career as a musician, it's very much like the mindset of your success means my failure. Um, And there, you know, and, and it's very competitive. And there's a lot of drama and divas and I just fell out of love with it. And so I decided I no longer wanted to pursue that as a path, but then I was lost. I was like, thought I was one of the lucky ones that knew what I wanted to do since I was five. Um, and then I was like, well, now what do I do? Um, and I nannied, um, I had a, I had three kids in my charge on the upper West side. And I remember I had this one day where I had them on the playground and I realized it was like something clicked. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm a grown up, and I'm like the world, like have unlimited possibility. Like I'm a big kid and I get to play on all the big kid things now and I can kind of do whatever I want. And that like, my own mindset is actually the most limiting factor. And so I started looking into like what it might be a different career path. And my ex-husband at the time worked for a startup and I really loved the sense of community that they had. They were excited about what they were building and passionate about it and like loved going to work every day. And I was like, (laughs) I want, I want that. I want that. Um, and, but I like have no skill set, So I looked into, um, like I read a bunch of books and I really liked marketing at the time. And I was like, you know, maybe community management. And I had an interview, um, through like networking through my husband and the guy was really nice. And it took me forever to follow up with him. And he was like, you're great. I love your energy, but I don't know if you can do the job, which is totally fair. And so I ended up joining a boot camp called startup Institute. Um, that was a career accelerator, actually. It was like, founded by the managing directors of Techstars Boston um and it changed my life and it got me into the tech and entrepreneurship space it was like an 8 week program uh cuz i was very hesitant to go back for more school and put myself in more student loan debt um
0: so yeah, <laughs> it was
1: it was great and it got me a fantastic ROI and it got me a network um I then worked for a company called Sitter City, uh, where I launched their New York office for their on-demand babysitting service um, and you know also helped launch their operations in Boston and DC. And then I actually joined the Career Accelerator as an employee and got to actually see what it was like on the other side of an accelerator to work and to be building community and all of that, which then led me to NUMA. Um, and you know I fell in love with that model because there was a lot of creative aspects and community aspects that I think I originally loved about music that I found now in the work that I get to do every day.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty cool. I think, uh, you know, that moment at the park where, where you're like, I'm a, I'm a big kid and I can, I can do big kid things. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, me like kind of similarly, I, I I was an English major, but I just happened to come back to San Francisco and, you know, I would see new companies every day, like, and, and, and new and people like, um, or I mean, for instance, like Uber was growing and, Airbnb was growing and you know all these new big companies like Twitter and everything they're just continuing to not only grow in my hands but grow in terms of workforce and grow in terms of just better I mean the world was changing before my eyes essentially right and I think like me I wanted to uh I got into investing in 2017 and I mean what I was doing was reading books like you write and like uh, figuring out how I could invest in things and and then uh i liked it uh it it was fun but um you know i was thinking like how could i do this for a career and yeah um yeah me somebody who always like uh, also thought about journalism as a career and i guess like this is a form of journalism um so you know definitely just you know for, for people listening i think that this is pretty easy to look at your current situation and say that oh well the like 400 people said no or like this is going in the wrong direction let's <laughs> that's that's cool let's let's uh give up but like you know maybe in your experience like what propelled you to keep going when the narrative seemed what's that word just not not right right like you know people would see that that your experience just didn't didn't match it like what what really forced you to to keep going when things were mentally hard or like you 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 just didn't know if you were doing what you wanted to do and well what, yeah what, what what really you know made you double down or uh, yeah I no think partner. it's two things
1: <laughs> yeah I think it's two things like one I think I always just am one of those people that I constantly feel like I have something to prove to myself
0: yeah. or to yeah.
1: some, I don't know who um And then the other thing is, like, once I find something that I really love or I'm passionate about, like, I'm always very goal oriented. Like, they talk about a lot of times, like, um, a lot of people in sales like to hire sports people because they're really competitive and goal oriented. But I actually think the same is also for like high level performing musicians as well, and like certain creatives. Because when you are training to be an opera singer, there's lots of lonely hours in the practice room working on pieces. There's, you know, a lot of like criticism and feedback that you get. There's a lot of like dealing with, you know, those types of aspects that are also like really valuable for certain sort of traits of resiliency and and motivation. And so once I've set my sight on a goal, like I'm going to achieve it, I actually have a really hard time in celebrating achieving goals, because I'm I'm like, I feel I feel empty after I achieve something, I really like the process of achieving. And then once (laughs) I've done it, I'm like, well, now that was a letdown and then I'm on to the next thing. Um, and so, you know, there were moments too where there was a lot of doubt, you know from that person that interviewed me to, you know at Startup Institute, they paired you on a, on a partner project. Um, so you were like actually doing real work inside of a startup. And the founder of the startup said to me at one point in a meeting, he was like, he goes, wow you're pretty smart for a nanny. Um,
0: (laughs) Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, So like, you know, like there were definitely people that doubted me along the way. And I almost, I think I used that as like fuel to be like, I'm gonna do it anyway, even though people wouldn't expect me to. Um, It's really just like digging deep and finding that like love that you have for it. And you know, that's where you want to go. And I'm like, not going to let anything in my way.
0: (laughs) No, that's seriously amazing. I think, um, here in Silicon Valley, when I ever I like say I went to a big, um, not a dinner, but like a big networking event or something, and I have to say, well, what school I went to, and I just get, I wouldn't say weird looks, but people just act confused. So does that yeah. ever happen to you, and, and or has that ever happened to you, where where you like, and and what what do you? I mean, I mean, what do you think makes the world a place, or you know, corporate America a place where? you are you are respected by what degree you got or like what you know bank you worked at like what do you think is wrong with people I mean not necessarily wrong with people what do you think makes people want to want to have this checklist of things that people have done to validate their um, ability to to do a job or to to even be you know worthy of having a conversation like what, what yeah. why, why are people like that and like um, you could that's ask me to, you know. No,
1: that's a, that's a great question. I'd also love your perspective on it, but sure. it's interesting. Cause like, I, 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 like argue with people about this in specifics. Like I actually yeah. was at dinner with a friend of mine who was like saying that, like how terrible it was that like his friend's mother wouldn't let him go to an Ivy League school cause it was too expensive. And I was like, you don't need to go to an Ivy League school to be <laughs> successful. Like I feel so strongly about that. Uh-huh. And in fact, even in my own hiring practices, like I, I love people that come from non-traditional backgrounds because they think differently. I think a yeah, lot of times sure. when you're coming from an MBA or an Ivy League school, depending upon the school, and this is not everybody, but like I've come into situations where people have a very fixed mindset because they're like, oh, I followed a path, and if I keep following this path then I will have achievement. But they did this like longitudinal study that I love about like people that had graduated as valedictorian from schools and they followed them along their life and none of them did anything exceptional. Um, And so I love, I think that it's like, it's, 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 it's true. Like, I mean, they maybe got good jobs, but like, you know, it's not the people that are starting businesses. It's not the people that are like going off and doing like super crazy creative things and and innovating because that mindset of like mm-hmm. I'm doing the steps doesn't get you out of the box to like actually do creative things. So I actually really like hating like um having creatives or other types of backgrounds in my company because I just think differently and I think there is a bias because people want to feel validated and they want to feel like they. Are known quality quantity because yeah, they have yeah. the Harvard on their you know yeah. resume that they're like I will be accepted and so then they will only accept other people that have that because they feel themselves like oh if I'm validated from this I'm gonna validate other people like this and it's it's a pervasive mindset that has kind of gone through our society and certain hiring practices and businesses and I think it's just something that's not true
0: no absolutely I, I agree with you I think uh, I guess like in my experience with. Uh, either interviewing for jobs or um, I guess friends who come from the same place and, and try to get uh, into the tech company. Um, it does seem very hierarchical and, you know, condescending sometimes and just, uh, you know, confusing in a sense because the only reason you hired somebody was because they you know, came from a certain school or look a certain way or, yeah, I mean, they won't flat out say that, but like, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I definitely do think that people with their, um, you know criteria already in their head like who they're looking for kind of does play a huge factor into who gets hired for sure um, yeah. uh, no but yeah I think that I mean seriously that's a that's a great discussion and observation I mean <laughs> there's there's uh and and the beauty of op- entrepreneurship and, and creating your own business is that you know you get to write your own story because yeah. um you know no one's gonna boss you around and if you don't then that's kind of where the pencils going to stay <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's why my team is filled with creatives and women
0: <laughs> oh shoot yeah no <laughs> that's so funny um uh, I, I was overhearing you on another podcast that you do improv or is it stand-up comedy, yeah. comedy. i do yeah, stand-up yeah, comedy yeah. too that's so that's no that's, that's
1: so cool
0: yeah i mean uh uh do you feel like um that uh this i, well, I, I think my like uh the, the way to ask it is what um what Skills from, I guess, not just music, but being a creative. Do you think that that really are are intangibles in in the work that you're doing as you know, running an accelerator for international companies? Like, um, that that people wouldn't see. Like, I mean, there, maybe they're soft skills, but um, in in essence, they can also be hard skills because they they can't really be taught. Like, you can't really teach anybody creativity or or ambiguity or being comfortable with um different ideas like what do you yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah what do you think no
1: i i think there's a lot of that like i've spent a lot of time thinking about both my music background in transition <laughs> to now and then also like improv because so i i perform in new york city at magnet theater i'm on a house team for music improv comedy so like we get a suggestion of anything at all and then we create a musical on the spot with like songs dancing like made up songs like people like are terrified of this but it's so much fun um but a lot of those skills are things that I use every day both from like listening which is like super critical in sales like you have Uh to be able to listen to what people are saying and their and your clients um things like dealing with ambiguity like just yesterday I was in um we were in a situation, we had a big, we have a big client project that's happening in January. um, And they're supposed to come to New York, supposed to be an in-person client project. And, you know, they, because of the current variant with Omicron, they don't think that they can travel. And so they're asking us to entirely pivot the experience and do a virtual hybrid thing where they'll be in France and we'll be in New York and we'll be doing like, you know, um, kind of taking them through the experience of the conference that we were gonna have, like, and and stream it there and uh, uh, even last night I was having dinner with friends and they were like most people would be upset about this I'm like no this is an exciting challenge like you just have to like yes and basically any experience that you're in and I'm like this is an exciting new opportunity to be creative to try something different to create something new to you know use other skill sets so like you're given a challenge and I'm just like yes and like let's do this this is gonna be so much fun and so like a lot of, I think, the creative, like, for me, I'm like, oh, my God, I get to play. Like, this is creative now. I get to design something new. And that mindset, I think, is really beneficial because it gives me, like, a very good comfort and ambiguity in, um, you know, getting to be able to, you know, it's just, like, improv and music. It just has really translated to it. It's a lot of soft skills, but it makes a huge difference in my leadership ability and in yeah. my ability to handle challenges as they come.
0: No, yeah, I think that's just super... Uh you know, fascinating and, and really, you know, it's really unique. And I think there, there, there needs to be more adoption of people from, from these backgrounds and, and, uh, uh, you know, ways of thinking for sure. Uh, before we wrap up the show and ask you our patented, like three, three two questions, um, uh, well, the first one rather is, um, uh, so if you were to go back in time and, and be able to talk to your 20 year old self, uh, what, what advice would you say to Francis and back in the day? And, and, and and, uh, yeah, like um, how did that conversation go?
1: Yeah. I think 20 year old Francis was a very different Francis than Francis today. I think the thing that I would want her to know most of all is that like life is not fixed. Um, I think that that was like an important lesson I've learned over life and it's kind of been a theme in a lot of things. Like you can always change, um, and change is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So not be afraid of change to embrace it. Um, changing trajectories, changing your path, changing your thoughts about yourself or what life should be. Um, you know, I even see like people in my family that have this like fixed mindset of like you know, well, I'm in my 50s, and I didn't achieve any of my dreams, so oh, okay. I guess so well, my life is over, and, like, my life is never over, that there's always more that you can do, there's always more that you can create, and that, you know, because I, I think I felt that way sometimes when, like, I decided not to do music, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do with my life, like, it's just, like, am I not going to do anything, and, like, <laughs> am I going to be, like, what, like, where, where am I going to be stuck, and that you're never actually stuck, there's always different ways that you can move, and, 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 find the next thing, find your next passion, get yourself out of certain situations. And I wish that I had known that. It took time to learn it, but it'd have been nice to learn that sooner.
0: No, yeah. I think that's so awesome. And just being able to, um, you know, think about change in, in that way. And, you know, how it's never really, you know, careers are never really fixed actually. And in, in that, you know, the, the, that, that change, change is good actually for, for, for yeah. a lot of people. It's just, Hard, hard to achieve, but definitely. It's
1: scary. It's always yeah. scary. It's yeah. always going to be scary. Like, I'm, I, I'm scared every time I make a change or a big leap, but like, it's a matter of, you know, you're going to be scared, but just like, I have to move through it anyway. <laughs> like, I have to do the thing, even though I'm terrified.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe just one more thing into that looking back about, um, you know, risk you've taken uh, career wise or life wise um, and how, you know, there wasn't really as much as you think was holding you back. Like what, uh, how do you, how do you feel about those risks that you took back then? Or, you know, those, the way you thought back then and how it's played out, like, what what do you feel about, you know, the, the things that, that, that you've gotten to, 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 to occur. I mean, success wise and, and things like that. Yeah, I
1: mean, I wouldn't change anything, honestly. Uh-huh. Like I'm really happy where I am yeah, now. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: And like, but I, I think I, I feel really grateful for the fact that like I've, push through those moments where you are scared. um, And it's hard and there's still times when I am scared. Like even with the acquisition of the company, there are moments in this I was terrified. Like having conversations with the board about how like, I'm not sure that we are going in the same direction and like being worried to have those conversations. So I'm like, you know, in your mind, you're like, well, what if the board fires me? Like all (laughs) of
0: those fears. (laughs)
1: But you have to have those conversations anyway. And it always, I find that when you take the risks, it's never as bad as the worst case scenario in your head and it becomes, oh, yeah, like a right. mu- it becomes like a muscle it's like the more that I take risks the more comfortable I am taking risks the next time but I'm still scared and so I think I'm really glad that I've leaned into the discomfort um regardless even though it's always uncomfortable in the moment um it's always paid off tenfold in the end
0: no yeah I love that yeah yeah definitely um something that we're noticing with people we talked to who who were who you know quit a job to create a company and you know, that's actually pretty f- life-changing, actually. So, ah, so yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> the next question we want to ask you is, how would you define your own startup mindset? And I uh, by that is just um, how you think about uh, startups and, and mindsets in conjunction or how you however you want to take it that's I that's, know that's
1: I'm like I feel like I've been talking about mindset the entire call
0: yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know you would but
1: <laughs> no it's funny I always joke that like when I have children I'm going to raise them on an entrepreneurship mindset I'm like go 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 figure out building a company so you can have dinner kids um just kidding um but like I think it's like the most important thing like those things like taking risks like being becoming friends with your fear right like it's always gonna be there like I think people have this like perception that you know those that are very successful or that have their own business like they have they're fearless right if you're feeling stuck like you're, you're it's it's always gonna be there becoming friends with your with your fear finding the fun in what you do like that mindset of like I'm gonna have fun with this like this is gonna be I mean I think that's part of my creative I'm like this is playtime like yeah, a business no, yeah. every day feels like playtime. I get to play all day long um, and it's great. And so I think finding the fun in the things that you're doing. um, Yeah. I mean, like mindset is, is kind of the game when it comes to entrepreneurship and like developing those things. And luckily, like those are all things that you can develop. Like you can change your mindset from a fixed mindset to, you know, and a more open and flexible kind of mindset. Like these are all things that you can work on if it's something that you want to.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I just got to second you on that for sure. Um, that's you know this has been such a fun and, and you know uh, learning experience. I mean learning experience for me and great to get your take on you know what's happening in New York and, and how you guys are changing um, uh, you know trajectories and, and you know definitely growing personally um, as a company as well. So it's it's been it's been you know an honor to have you on. Last thing here Thank is, you. like, how, how can uh, people follow you guys on social media or um, learn more about Weave and, and uh, okay. future endeavors you guys have?
1: Yeah, so we're on LinkedIn as Weave Acceleration. Um, feel free to check us out. Um, we are also hiring right now for two positions. Um, and uh, you can also feel free to send me an email. I'm Francis at WeaveAcceleration.com.
0: There, there you have it. This has been episode 44, or guess 44. And... Uh, you know a, a super amazing conversations so and friends thank you again for the time thank you Dan I
1: had super much fun today
0: appreciate it that does it for another episode of so Startup Mindsets if you guys are ever interested in getting an accounting uh, software and tool that helps you manage your books we just became partners with Bench.co which is a startup based out of Vancouver they raised 60 million dollars and we'd love to share a unique referral link with you guys in the description uh, to get you guys 30% off for the first three months and uh, get you guys started with uh, you know, the proper accounting and and, getting, <laughs> and having less well, and, uh, and, working, and working toward uh, you know, just business and having that stuff just uh, taken care of by itself.